0: Hey, y'all, it's Adrian. Uh, Welcome to today's episode. I just want to let you guys know before the episode begins is that I really messed up the audio today. Uh, It was a really good episode, but I failed to record correctly. So I was able to salvage the Zoom audio um, and make it sound a little bit better than normal uh, Zoom audio. But, you know, bear with me (laughs) if it sounds um, not as not the best that it can be. So. Apologies for that, but I hope you guys enjoy today's episode because it's a really good one and you won't want to miss it because it's with the girls from Thrifted and Threaded, Michaela and Mackenzie. So enjoy. Welcome to Living Ardently. I'm your host, Adrian Giraldi, and we are back with another episode with uh, a couple of people that I'm really excited to have that I didn't know I was going to even be able to uh, interview both of them um, until just like two hours ago. So I'm excited uh, to have them both here and we'll introduce them in just a little bit. So let's get into it. Okay, so today's guests, plural, um, they are, these two combined faith and fashion, they are twins, and they're the creators of Thrifted and Threaded. If you haven't heard of them, go check out their Instagram at thrifted and underscore and underscore threaded. You can follow them personally at Michaela Rachel and underscore Kenzie, Kenzieing on Instagram. All of that is in our description of the show notes, so check that out. But welcome, my guests, Michaela and Mackenzie.
1: Woo! Hey, Adrian. <laughs> Thanks for
0: having us. Thanks for coming on. I'm really excited to have you both. Uh, like I said earlier, I, I only expected to have one for some reason. And then I was like, wait, maybe we can get both. And
1: <laughs> you got two for the price of one tonight. <laughs> That's
0: awesome. I think this is okay. the first time we're invited. Like, I interviewed two people at the same time.
1: So, yeah, let's hope we don't like just talk over each other. Our voices probably sound the same. Yeah. It'll probably just sound <laughs> like you're interviewing one person, honestly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so funny. I, I just found out like on is it one of your stories or saying like you don't know if you're actually identical or not.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we that's... never got a DNA test and the doctors couldn't tell in the womb if we were like one embryonic sac or two. Mm-hmm. Wow! So we don't know.
0: That's so crazy. 25 like, years. Of 25 mystery. years. <laughs> that's crazy. You guys are you guys are born in 95. Yep. <laughs> Wow. I always, for some reason I thought you guys were older than me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Are you born I'm, in 95
0: too? I'm 94.
1: <gasps> yeah. My husband was Oh no, he's younger than me, 96. So we're, 96.
0: we're all right in that right in the, that This range. is the golden 90s area, I think. Yeah, 93s and 96, 96 to 96, I think that's right. like the golden area. We're the so,
1: last year of millennials. So yeah. we're in the cool kids club still. We're
0: the true 90s kids. Yeah. We're the last of the true 90s kids. So <laughs> That's awesome. Wow. So I'm glad to have some 90s babies on the show. <laughs> Most of the people I guess I interview are mostly in the 90s. Uh, so that's cool. But my co-hosts are both like in their 30s, Jarell and Steven. Oh, I might have aged Steven too much, but I don't know. <laughs> sorry, I'm Steven. sorry, Steven, if you're listening. <laughs> but so anyway, we um, the past few games, the fast, past few episodes, we've been doing games at the end. And, you know, I'll be honest with you guys, I didn't like the way it flowed. It just kind of like oh yeah we're wrapping up the interview and then let's play a game and it just was i don't know it just felt weird so we're gonna go back to doing them in the beginning and we're gonna play a little twin game with our twins Michaela and mckenzie so are you ready
1: we're, we're ready, ready. Mm-hmm.
0: all right well so i don't really know what the game is it's called I, technically it's called twin tag telepathy but it's really just questions so just gonna ask you questions and you guys can like go back and oh i think what it is like you answer for the other
2: Mm, Um, okay
0: so let's play it that way okay um some of them are addressed to both of you okay do you have the same clothes and shoes
1: we have the same style but we don't live together so now we have separate wardrobes but every time we are in the same place we take advantage of the opportunity to expand our wardrobes out of the other's closet
0: that's so great. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had a twin like that. Actually, yeah, I kind of do, but he doesn't live yeah, with me.
1: It's handy.
0: It is handy. So, w- I just I had a friend who I met in college who had, like was this like people mistook was mis, mistook him for me, and he was <laughs> his first year, as my second year, and somebody was like, "Yeah, I talked to you earlier." I was like, "I didn't talk to you earlier." Like it was <laughs> like the first day of school, uh, like orientation. <laughs> I was like, I haven't seen you since just right now.
1: <laughs> and oh, he goes, oh
0: And Oh, and found out I had a doppelganger, and we ended up becoming best friends, and we were roommates the next year.
1: Oh my gosh, amazing! And he's one of
0: my groomsmen, so shout out to Jordan. Um, but yeah, he became my twin that I always wanted, <laughs> <laughs> and we would share our wardrobes, like because we were the same size and would fit the same things, and um, wow. it was the funniest thing. So I, I kind of, <laughs> I kind of understand a little bit of what you guys get to do
1: yeah we have very many stories just like that
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome um have you ever dreamed of being alone
1: Mm -hmm. I mean like not being a twin yeah yeah I mean yeah I think I think at different points growing up you just get fed up with always being together and always being compared to each other and there just comes a point where you're like my goodness I wish I wasn't a twin but at the end of the day I don't think either of us would ever really trade it but then I think the tables turned as we got older I mean it's been over six years since we've lived in the same place and for a while we were living on separate continents as well so there then we entered the reality of forgetting we had a twin Mm. Um, and so then you sort of go backwards you realize what it is like to not have a twin and then you really do get to live the best of both worlds I think we've had both experiences at
2: this point Mm
0: -hmm. yeah that's really cool that's like such a uh, like a phenomenon that's so unique to to twins you know Mm -hmm. that's great all right next question what are the real differences between your appearances that you can tell
1: is there a visual component to this show or yeah this will be
0: on there's uh, there's a visual component on youtube which will usually be posted later than when the audio is posted so
1: Got okay. It. okay, so for those who can't see us right now, listening, you know, on Spotify or wherever, mm-hmm. um, you would notice that normally my hair, I'm um, Mackenzie, is is darker. Uh, Michaela's usually dyes her blonde, so um, that's not a natural difference in our appearances. <laughs> it's natural differences in our appearances. I think our face shapes are slightly different. Michaela has a pointier chin and... Um, maybe slightly more prominent cheekbones Mm -hmm. and she has three freckles on the side of her face people always used to tell us apart by my oh really the freckles yeah Yeah, such a small difference but people would be like wait 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 where's the freckles okay you're Michaela
0: (laughs) (laughs) In my youth group back in high school we had uh we had a set of twins and eight and um Dana and Annade, and one had a freckle like right here, a really small freckle. And we would have to look, and then the, uh, they go to a point where one of them was wearing glasses and one wasn't, just so we could help. They would help us, but then they would switch and like they're like messing with us. <laughs>
1: like, <laughs> yep, it's got to so be done funny. every now and then.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, what's your favorite memory together?
1: Maybe being in Spain together yeah I think we had very different experiences at that time. You were there to study abroad, and I was living probably my most intense semester um mm-hmm. but probably probably that retreat we went on at, yeah we went on a retreat mm-hmm. um at the home of Saint Ignatius of Loyola. oh wow, and it was just in the Basque country in Spain. It was so beautiful, and I think we both were had like like Mackenzie was saying. We had very different experiences that semester, but that was like a shared experience. Um, Mm -hmm. That was really beautiful.
0: Were you both at the same university?
1: No. So Mackenzie studied at St. Louis University of Madrid for her whole, almost her whole college career. Um, And I went to Temple University and I I chose to study abroad at Salud Madrid for a semester so that we would, for one semester, um, be attending school together in Spain.
0: Wow that's really cool. Yeah
1: it was was really awesome.
0: Is that your same same memory?
1: Yeah I think I think it is. I think I had a very different like she said a very different experience that semester since I was a full-time student. It was junior year sort of that like really super heavy semester. Um, I was also in the process of trying to land a full-time job in Spain Mm -hmm. and like there was just so much on my mind and it was also the first retreat that I was leading as part of the sort of student ministry group and so there was a lot on my mind but once all of the scary talks and everything that I had to give were out of the way then I just remember we were able to go up into the mountain and it was just it's just incredible scenery and we were with a really great group of people so we had you know really beautiful couple days up there and it's i mean it's the place where saint ignatius of Loyola had his conversion we had mass mm. in the chapel of conversion where he laid oh, in so his cool. bed for months and months and you know it's came crazy. to jesus so it was it's just a really special place and i can't believe we were able to just sleep for several days in the building where saint ignatius was converted it's oh, just no i hope the graces are still flying
0: (laughs) yeah wow that's so (laughs) sick i've always wanted to go is it near um where that is is that near the where the camino the santiago was
1: it's not too far so yeah it's in the northern um
0: yeah
1: yeah it's it's in a town called loyola which is in guipuzcoa spain which is like Mm -hmm. northern basque country so it is i'm sure at some point it if it doesn't directly intersect with the camino it's close by for sure
0: yeah, I just I get the stories of that, and just anytime anyone goes abroad, I'm just like, "You want to go?" I feel like I missed my window, you know, because I'm getting married mm. this year, and I just don't know how how much of that's actually available to me now. Right? But yeah, you
1: could do a, a baby moon Camino. A baby. baby moon? Oh gosh, your poor wife. <laughs> <laughs> she's like pregnant and you're like let's go walk for several days <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> this is the worst <laughs> <laughs> Just honeymoon. yeah have a honeymoon
0: right honeymoon yeah we have to figure that out we don't even know where we're going yet so
1: yeah it's all a right, tough time up. to figure that out yeah right.
0: right all right what's the silliest question that you get about being twins
1: <laughs> i remember one time um we both used to work at this grocery store mm-hmm. and we were both like sample girls. Like we would stand at different points of the store and hand out cheese or crackers or whatever. (laughs) And people would come to her booth on one end of the store and then come to my booth on the other end of the store. And they'd be like, "Ah, weren't you just over there? Like, I'm so confused. And we'd be like, no, like that was my sister. And they'd be like, what, you're twins. Like, and one woman I remember was like, how can you be twins? You have different color hair. And we were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but it was like our favorite thing to do to get to be these sample girls because people all day long would be like, weren't you just how'd yeah. you get here so fast? It was That's hilarious. So
2: funny. <laughs> <laughs> that
1: besides that, I, I would say besides that, there's always the typical like, do you feel each other's pain? Do you read each other's minds? Those are just the classic. Yeah. Twin questions, and I would say to some degree, we've experienced both of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not like some supernatural phenomenon. You could probably right. do this with any. I mean, you'll. I do this with my husband as well. You know, it's just yeah, the, yeah. the person that you know really well. You can sort of read their mind, and that's all mm-hmm. there is to it.
0: <laughs> People think it's like you step like if Mackenzie stubs her toe, Michaela will feel it. <laughs>
1: right? Yeah, across the world, I'm like, ow. ow! <laughs>
0: in the middle of mass
1: (laughs) who knows Uh, though
0: i know who knows knows? that's really funny okay (laughs) all right last one who is the better cook
1: probably me Mackenzie. um although i don't cook that often my husband is a much better cook than even i am so he is it, really yeah, I love that.
0: that. I mean, yeah. not the fact that you know you like you can, but man, who can cook? Stuff. I'm <laughs> just saying, it's an underrated thing. <laughs> um,
1: it, yeah, I do not disagree. It is amazing.
0: All right, man. If you, I mean, you have all of 2020 to learn how to cook. If you don't know how to cook like three dishes by now, shame on you.
1: <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's awesome. I will give it to you though, kens I it's not my Forte.
0: <laughs> forte. i'd rather do the hello fresh (laughs) but even then i still have to cook
1: (laughs) i'm a creature of habit i make the same thing i would eat the same thing every day yeah
0: (laughs) like i i I like do like meal prepping and i just do the same ground turkey season like every day for lunch like how do you get not how do you not get bored with the food that's like i like it it it. nourishes my body and it's easy to
1: make. i'm with you
0: yeah awesome so that was great i mean there's so much more questions i could go but we could go on the entire podcast doing this so we're not (laughs) um so i wanted to get into a little bit of just your personal background we kind of in those questions you get a little bit of that but uh, for both of you what's your what is your uh individual faith journeys um from you know coming into the faith or you know where you are now
1: yeah good question um I can start. This is Michaela speaking. Um, I mean, Mackenzie and I were both raised Catholic from, you know, day one. Yeah, We are the youngest in a large family. And so, mm. I mean, yeah, that doesn't really have a lot to do with it. But we are youngest of, of a large family that was very devout. Um, but as we grew up and as we started to mature and, and experience different Crowds and different um, beliefs and stuff. In high school, particularly, I became very embarrassed of my reputation. Um, we were just known as like the goody two shoes shoes girls, um, mm-hmm. and I started to really push back against that and rebel. Mm-hmm. Um, Mackenzie at that time like wasn't doing that, but I yeah I don't know I just was. I wanted to prove to people like, Oh, you think I'm that good Catholic girl? Like watch me rip shots at this party. You know what I mean? (laughs) 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 It wasn't as dramatic as it sounds, but like, yeah, it was a definite pushback against this box that I had perceived that I was being put into. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that, that kind of followed me through college, Mm -hmm. um, for the first two years. And then my boyfriend, um, my then boyfriend who is now my husband and I Mm -hmm. um, started dating freshman year and, and we're just, yeah, both pretty lost spiritually. He was agnostic. I was just kind of not practiced. I was going to mass on Sunday, but I hadn't, once I left the door, it wasn't so much a second thought. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, long story short, my boyfriend and I, it's so weird to call my boyfriend again. We were both (laughs) just like going through a hard time, really feeling empty and lost. Mm. Um, And he started asking really deep, big questions about life and things that I had taken for granted my whole life. Um, Mm. But we started, yeah, talking about God and how we're living our lives. And he went to the University of Maryland where he Entered our CIA and got in touch with focus missionaries and just started to have his own conversion. And I was watching this on the sidelines, like, what he's asking questions that I never even asked, you know. Um, And I began grappling with my faith more too. Mm -hmm. And then he, like, he made sure that I got introduced to the focus missionaries on my campus, which Mm -hmm. I was hesitant about at first. Um, But once I got plugged into the Catholic community on campus, it was just like. Yeah, my life changed. My life did a one hundred and eighty pretty quickly, oh. um, and I just—it was like everything that was in my head, growing up. You know, all the all the days we've spent in the car listening to EWTN, like mm-hmm. those things, when introduced to a relationship with Jesus, like traveled from my head to my heart in such a radical way. Yeah, um, yeah, that I just knew like everything is changed, and so. Yeah, I became a missionary myself after that. Um and sometimes I used to think that was the end of my story, but really becoming a missionary has like just yeah, continually like deepened my relationship with Jesus. It's challenged mm-hmm. me, it's brought up new things and mm-hmm. um continues to transform me and, and bring things up. So, definitely still in the midst of my testimony. Praise God.
0: Yeah, praise God. That's so cool. I love I love focus and um you know focus was really close and they had you guys had your training usually at ave where i went to school mm-hmm. so
1: oh yeah good old ave
0: i know good old ave <laughs> 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 you can chase the inflection on that sentence um <laughs> but uh, uh yeah ave i mean one summer i got to like help out with like nst and oh, just fun. seeing the, the the transformation of some of the m- missionaries, just like from the outside looking in, it, it's just so cool. I mean, it just, yeah. you just know that the missionaries are being well formed yeah. and during NST, uh, but also have like to like have fun. You know, it's mm-hmm. really cool. And it's really, yeah. I love that. Um, yeah. I tried to be a focused missionary myself and they're like, no, go do youth ministry. I was like, okay, thanks.
1: <laughs> yeah. Sometimes God's will is just clear, you know? know, he was like, nah, I have other plans for you.
0: Yeah, they're like, they're like, I'm like sure you they severely been a needed men that year too. I'm like, <laughs> okay, God. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sharing that, M- Michaela. Yeah. Mackenzie, how about your story?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, obviously our upbringings were the same. Um, mm-hmm. When Michaela reached that point in high school where she started to rebel, I was not feeling the same way, Um mm-hmm. I mean, I might've been feeling the same way, but I just was so afraid of consequences and all these different things that were, you know, probably also problematic in their own right. But, um, (laughs) uh, yeah, I just, I started to feel then really dejected because my twin sister was going out and encouraging me to go out. And, um, Mm. I was just feeling really like, gosh, why don't I want to be doing these things? But I you know, the immediate answer wasn't like, oh, because you have this, you know, relationship with Jesus, that means more to you. It was just kind of like, right. you know, I, I naturally was not inclined to be rebelling. Um, and mm-hmm. so we went to community college, our first year um, out of high school, mm-hmm. I was dating a guy at the oh. time, which that relationship ended because of my commitment to um chastity and mm-hmm. basically he told me i was brainwashed for for believing in god so i had that pretty abrupt wake up call that like faith was going to mean something to everyone you know from that point onwards once you sort of get outside of your um personal relationship with jesus you realize how much that affects the other people that you're now introducing into your life as an adult so
2: yeah. i
1: sort of had to be asking myself like okay what does this mean that people think I'm brainwashed because of this? And, you know, also dealing with heartbreak at the same time and frustration because I was going to community college where I didn't feel like I was being challenged, you know, intellectually really in any way. And I was really just at the time, like I had a great relationship with one teacher in particular in high school, who really inspired me to take on this love of, the Spanish language, for whatever reason, I just really (laughs) gravitated towards learning Spanish. My community college was a joke in the Spanish department, and I wanted out, basically, so Mm -hmm. I was now, Well, Michaela was sort of back in my parents, I mean, she never fell out of my parents' good graces, she had a really good sort of (laughs) facade going, but I was starting to lose that, because, you know, we are the youngest of seven kids, we did not financially have all these options in front of us in terms of universities we could go to. Yeah. So I was just, you know, really frustrated by the fact that I wanted something more for myself and I started looking across the ocean, you know, to other opportunities. So I decided to look into going to school in Spain, which ultimately I did end up doing um, and that just was a process you know, internally to get sort of the courage to, to make that leap. Yeah. Um, we're both very sheltered. We're both very shy little girls. Um, and so we both had so much growing up to do. Yeah. And leaving home for me was like, okay, now is my opportunity. What do I want to do? Do I want to wear, you know, skimpy clothing? Do I want to wear leggings as pants and <laughs> eat, you know, whatever I want to eat and do whatever I want to do? Do I want to go, you know, I was of legal drinking age in Europe. Mm-hmm. So how do I want to approach this, you know? Yeah. Um and it turns out even when I had total freedom at my disposal, I didn't I didn't want to rebel. And so I started mm-hmm. praying, like, okay, I'm clearly not meshing with the right people. But I know that I want to find godly friends. And I, we grew up in, you know, a northern, like, co- sort of a, a closed off area, um, I guess, in a faith sense, everyone in our, this area is, you know, leans Catholic, I guess you could say, but yeah. no one really talks about it. So <laughs> I had never had a friend that I could sit down with and have a conversation about Jesus and was like, I really, I know that I need this, you know, so I started praying for that. And my first semester in Spain, towards the end of the semester, I made a few really great friends who were, um, you know, non-denominational Christian, had this eloquence in prayer that a lot of mm. Catholic young people don't have. And I just was like, wow, you know, I didn't know this existed.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so from there, it just sort of flourished the, the compounding effects of, you know, being independent for the first time, experiencing the beauty of of the world that you've never seen before, yeah. you know, meeting friends who were able to ask you, you know, questions about your faith and teach you how to talk about it as well. Um, mm. All really just sort of opened me up spiritually in, during that time. Um, so I got really involved with campus ministry groups and some groups within, you know, a larger circle in Madrid, did a lot of retreats and things like that. And then I moved home after school really heartbroken because I wasn't able to stay in Spain. Um, Mm -hmm. but ultimately, yeah, through like different jobs and things, um, I remembered, I mean, it, it never sort of faded. Um, I've always had sort of a, a really strong sense of, um, gosh, I don't even know how to describe it. My heart was set on fire for the pro-life movement from when I was really, really young. And that was something that I knew I was unhappy in, in work, you know, all these different things. And that was just, if I needed to make a change, I needed to be in the pro-life movement. Um, So that sort of opened a different door. And that is where I would say my ministry sits right now and where I feel the most growth, um, you know, spiritually is within that movement. So yeah. It's a continuing process for sure. Just like Michaela said, but that's how I ended up here. I, I guess it was a long story. <laughs> yeah.
0: But that's awesome. I mean, so when you, um, you um, talked about being in Spain, did you just want to like, just be there, work there, like live there for like, get yeah, citizenship I, there kind of?
1: Yeah. I think I had also sort of an identity crisis um, coming mm. from, A place of unhappiness being at home and being Mm. at community college and having my heart broken all these different things I just found it sort of a new me in Spain and I couldn't really let go of that so there was also a reconversion that had to happen when I came home and now Mm. had to grapple with the fact that I couldn't be the person that I wanted to be in Mm. Spain so yeah that was very hard but ultimately what I needed um
2: yeah
1: same time the man that I ended up marrying was also agnostic when we met. And so there was also a conversion oh, yeah. process in that was happening parallel to this time. So lots of very intense things, lots of emotions. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's awesome. That's really cool. That's really, that's so uh, great that you both also married men that were once agnostic or, you know, like not believe non-believers, if you want mm-hmm. to just put it that way. And it's just like mm-hmm. really cool uh, to see that. Uh, I mean, see that... Uh, even in in that way, you're kind of the same, not the same similar. Yeah.
1: And both um, of their names are Dan. So Oh really? We that's love so a good convert <laughs> named Dan. <laughs> that is so great. I know. We thought we would avoid something tacky like that, but you can't.
2: Yeah. Can't that's so
0: funny. <laughs> I mean, Dan's are everywhere too. So it's either yeah. Dan or John John Paul. So <laughs> pick one or, one or the other. True. <laughs> so that's really great. I mean, so now you both you're you're working. Are you working, Mackenzie? Are you working with uh, March for Life? Is that I what am. you're doing? Yep. Uh, the organization, right?
1: Yeah, and it's the best. so know, What do you do there? The best. Um. So I we're a really small team. So you know, surrounding the actual March for Life, we do we all do a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um. But obviously, we are a year-round nonprofit organization. So there's a mm-hmm. lot going around. There's a lot going on year-round. Um. I do a yeah. lot of our grassroots outreach. So um, I manage all of our emailing, all of our sort of action alerts and reaching Mm -hmm. out to our grassroots um, bases to just take action on, you know, legislation that's coming up and Mm -hmm. things like that. So I work pretty closely with people like on on Capitol Hill, just learning a ton about what's going on um, on the legislative front. And then also just a lot of writing and communicating with our, you know, constituent base. So it's great.
0: Oh, that's so cool. That's awesome that you're part of that team. Um, I know they had, you guys had a lot of decision-making to do with this year's (laughs) March and stuff. And I was like, wow.
1: Yeah. I mean, fewer just, well, I, the board and, and all of, you know, the people who are really at the helm of the organization had a ton of really difficult decisions to make. Um, Mm -hmm. But living in D.C., it, you can see up close and personal that it really isn't that difficult. It wasn't that difficult of a decision that needs to be made. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, D.C. is a war zone right now, and there are yeah. troops everywhere. It's one gigantic fence that never ends, and mm-hmm. you pretty much can't get from point A to point B in any logical way. So, yeah, bringing hundreds of thousands of people into that mess was just probably not in anybody's best interest so Mm -hmm. next year will be bigger and better but this year was really sort of iconic and beautiful and basic in a way that I think we needed to be reminded of so um, yeah yeah it was fruitful for sure
0: praise God that's so good to hear um and then and Michaela what are uh, you doing you were a focus missionary what happened did you what are you doing now
1: (laughs) what happened there um (laughs) (laughs) No, no. (laughs) no I'm kidding um yeah, I was a focus missionary for three years, two years in Connecticut and one year in Germany. Um nice. and then oh, Wait.
0: Do you know Stephanie Truder?
1: Yeah, 72. Oh yeah, she was God. in um yeah, she was serving in the other town in Germany. We oh, weren't on okay. the same team, but
0: That's yeah,
1: so she's great. Um but yeah, after that year, you know, the world kind of flipped upside down and I got mm-hmm. stuck in the states and was getting married. And so I, yeah, my husband and I both discerned um, to leave staff because we felt like Jesus was asking mm. us to trust him with whatever was next. Mm. Um, so currently I'm working for a Catholic clothing line called Litany, oh, nice. uh, which is a women's made to measure um, clothing line entirely inspired by the Catholic faith. Um, wow. And it's, just, it's the best. It combines this dormant part of my heart that loves fashion um mm-hmm. dormant. well it's not dormant anymore <laughs> but <it was. laughs> when I was a missionary it was it was a little dormant um now it's like able to flourish and and God has given it form in a way that I never saw coming so um yeah I do a lot of just like behind the scenes things for that brand and it's so love great. to watch it grow well
0: I haven't heard of it till now so that's really interesting oh, you'll have there. to look it up well I have to look it up and I'll have to tell my fiance about it
1: <laughs> yes yes
0: um speaking of clothing uh this is what you I'm bringing you guys on is because of your your tag team like ministry <laughs> that you guys do uh thrifted and threaded uh give give us a little bit of that history why it started how it started um you know where to come from the idea so yeah either one of you can go for that
1: Yeah. um, I'll give it a go since this is Mikhail speaking. Um, It kind of was born in my community college um, boredom. My mom taught me how to embroider Mm -hmm. um, one day and I just would practice while I was at work. And um, I embroidered my own t-shirt one time and then showed some friends and people started asking if I could make them t-shirts. And so I just started commissioning these like custom embroidered t-shirts and jeans Mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, And I did that for a few years in college. And then when I, again, when I became a missionary, I kind of put these things on the back burner to serve. Mm -hmm. Um, And then over, yeah, like over the summer, Mackenzie and I got quarantined in, my parents <laughs> beach house together um, and I was starting to do some more embroidery and like my designs had new life cause they were coming out of my prayer. And mm. yeah, I just was like getting back into it. Um, and so I had already established thrift and threaded was, was previously only my embroidery business. Mm-hmm. Um, but then during the pandemic lockdown stuff, um, we both just, I think like, I think I like voiced it first, but I think we both have been like thinking along these lines for a while because we've grown up thrifting um, yeah. and we didn't really embrace it until we were a little bit older, but now, and prior to starting thrifting threaded, it was pretty much the only way that either of us ever shopped at this point was yeah. secondhand or vintage or whatever. Um, and there, there comes a point where you, you only need so many clothes, you know? And I think, <laughs> Like Prudence told us both, like, you can't, this isn't sustainable either. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And people would always ask us like, how do you find these good things? Or like, take me with you, teach me your ways. Mm-hmm. But so often we would take friends into the thrift store and they'd be like, oh, I just, this is so overwhelming. Like, I don't know. I don't know how you do what you do. I, I, I don't like this, you know? Right. Um, so we, we constantly had people being like, I wish I could do what you do, but also yeah, I, it's not for me. Um, and we still have this desire to like cultivate and like curate fashion and things like that. But yeah, we, we don't want to just like overflow our closets for no reason. Um, and so this kind of light bulb moment happened one night in prayer and yeah, Jesus was just like, Hey, I want you to do this. And I want you to do this with Mackenzie. um, and so we both just kind of like talked about it a lot ran over like different like ways this could happen different ideas Um, and then we got yeah stuck together and just made it happen Um, yeah it was really it was really it feels like years of of different experiences like finally coming together yeah um, in a new way but it's still you know we just kind of transformed thrifted and threaded and, and merged the embroidery with the thrifting well and you can even look back into the history of the Instagram page of 15 Credit <laughs> and see yeah. that evolution happen. Um, yeah. The oldest pictures are like, you know. Mikhail 2016, in, like, fishnet stockings or something. <laughs> like a, Please don't you know, scroll too far back. <laughs> it was like a nine, the 1975 lyrics, like put on a shirt or something, you know. So <laughs> very worldly, you know, yeah. trendy. And then you you scroll up now, and there's like you know Jesus's hand in blessing and the Eucharist, <laughs> and like yeah. all these very uh, overtly Christian symbols. And yeah, yeah. So it's evolved just like we have.
2: That's
0: so great. I mean, I love I love looking back at Instagrams and when they have like, you don't archive anything; you just leave it there.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, just because it just shows the progression of a person. You know, like because yeah. that's what's um like, um, like I have like several Instagrams because work told me to make it my my account private and make a public mm. one, and like because the youth can't follow that one, and
2: yeah.
0: and so like, and then the podcasts and every all these things, and so mm-hmm. like my private one now was like used to be my main you can look at all the way back to like high school and what i was posting then and just see how it progressed to like today Um, and it's it's just different and i love seeing that progression in people's likes i was just about to ask that was it the same instagram account yeah that you guys had um from the beginning so that's really cool Mm -hmm um yeah,
1: you could scroll back if you're so brave <laughs> <laughs> so <brief. laughs>
0: well Duly knows know you're going to do that now <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah um and so then this became this uh, i guess so the, a lot of the growth that it happened during the time of quarantine then i guess
1: yeah i mean it hasn't really been that long i mean we started i think we started quarantining together i guess eight April or, mm-hmm. or so but the thrift stores were still closed at that point point. Um, right. and then the thrift stores started to open up and we had some a good window there to start making our first collection and mm-hmm. we were talking originally um, around the fact that we wanted to make each collection sort of cohesive so that we could take really cool lookbook photos and just make everything stylable and not just like a random piece of clothing that you don't know how to wear it um, right. So we spent a good several weeks, you know, creating our first sort of capsule look, getting photographs taken, running around in the woods of, you know, back when New Jersey and um, trying mm-hmm. to figure out how to set up a website. Yeah, but- that took the longest, mm-hmm. was, you know, <laughs> just putting together a Squarespace website that didn't fall apart every 20 minutes. So <laughs> <laughs> once once all of that was done, our first launch was over, like, surprisingly successful um
2: Mm
1: -hmm. and then things started to open up a little bit and we sort of had to go our own way so the 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 following drops have been sort of a patchwork effort both of us thrifting separately trying to find time to be in the same place to get pictures taken so Mm
2: -hmm. we've had
1: to be sort of thoughtful and patient with the different drops that have come over the last few months Um, but this next upcoming drop is only i think our fifth fourth or fifth fourth or fifth so we're not too deep into it but it's been on our end sort of a constant thing obviously but um yeah yeah, there's a lot of growth to happen in the future that we're waiting for we just need to to be in the same place at the same time
0: (laughs) where are you guys now? located separately
1: i live right outside of dc yeah Um, michaela is in in the philadelphia area still
2: okay Yeah, i
0: was just i was thinking because it, it's crazy how much the growth has happened this year for you guys because for me Thrift and threaded has already been like a household name for so long <laughs> wow cool <laughs> like within the, in, the within the instagram field of people that yeah. i like to follow
2: yeah. i
0: always just felt like Thrift and thread was just always like there um, <laughs> wow. so the fact that well, we've the, been eye-opening that it's just been since quarantine it's A
1: baby yeah yeah we've just been really privileged to work and collaborate with mm-hmm. some other people that we yeah, are also like invested in and working in the realm of ethical fashion um, yeah. so yeah I think I think we've just been really blessed with that
0: yeah, uh, my my favorite job has to be the AMDG drop with uh, with yes. the living person that has yeah, bias. That was so fun. Just, yeah, I was like, dang it, they don't have my size. But oh, okay. you know, <laughs> it's
1: so tough sometimes. Yeah. Like you, with thrift stores, you you, you get, get what you, you get. get, you know. Yeah. And I I really do try to get things in a wide range of sizes, but sometimes mm. it's either not there or the quality is just not good. And yeah, yeah, but. Don't worry, I'll I'll come back for you.
0: I appreciate it. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: but yeah, I was super excited when Jarrell announced that. I was like, dude, what the heck? He didn't tell me anything. Usually we like collab, you know, we collaborate. He's a co-host. So we always talk about ideas together and we just go back and forth a lot. And the fact that he didn't tell me that, I was like,
1: What the heck? You, why didn't you let me know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> me a little well, bit of he didn't get the
1: first podcast, did he?
0: that's awesome so since it's so young um what is your hope then for this ministry in the next uh, few years where do you hope to see it grow how do you hope to see it grow
1: yeah that's a great question um and I think one thing we've kind of like not really gotten into yet which I'm sure we will um Mm -hmm is is really the like like i've shared about how this came about but not all of the why for us you Mm -hmm. know um and so i think the more that we figure it out and the more that we figure out the logistics and the the kind of external factors like the website and like pricing and and we're just like we're it changes you know we're trying to find the happy medium that works um Mm -hmm still like you said it's a baby and yeah and so the more that those things get cleared up and figured out the more we're able to hone in on like yeah what is this what purpose is this serving Um, how can we serve the people that are shopping from us but also like go beyond that community how can we give back Um, so this next drop we're looking to pinpoint of specific charity to, to donate some hmm. to, um, I think we're hoping to be just more consistent with our drops in general so that yeah. we can, um, just remain in like a stable place where we know like, yeah, this is how much we can depend on, um, for buying and selling and do- donating and all of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just consistency hopefully in the future and, um, I think we want to make it more personal eventually i mean we show our faces every now and then um but i think that there's so much explaining to do there's so much showing that people want to see you know everyone loves like a good thrift haul you know and we don't always mm-hmm. get to just like take videos of, of things that we do so i mean the mm-hmm. the dream in, at least media wise would be to document more of it and share mm-hmm. that with people and sort of hopefully grow in that direction as well but um Yeah. In terms of actual like products and and things and ways that this all works, I mean there's a million possibilities. We just have to figure out where we can invest and and grow.
2: Yeah.
0: It's so there's so much that you guys can do, like you said, and I I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how you guys decide (laughs) to to kind of go forward with it. So if you haven't already followed them, go to at thrifted underscore and underscore threaded um and yeah follow the journey of this awesome thing that you guys are on uh, this awesome journey you guys are on it's i I really love the idea of making it more personal um i've been like people on living ardently like the people who are following like keep on asking me to like share more of my daily life i'm like i don't have a fun daily life like why do you know about my daily life (laughs) and apparently just people want to know and people like love hearing about the stuff that a youth minister goes through or like just whatever mm-hmm. um you go through um and i just you know frankly don't have the time for it but yeah um because daily life is busy as it is <laughs> not let <laughs> yeah. alone trying to record every bit of it right um, so but yeah in in any case like it's it's also really fun just this, as you know as a follower to to watch and see people's stories and see with yeah. their parts of their daily life and just makes it feel like a, a little bit more of a a friend you know Mm -hmm. Um, people love that and it's normal now apparently people (laughs) people are like people younger than us like see people like on their stories and assume that they're friends with these people which is crazy but that's like a story for another day (laughs) (laughs) so we got more with these awesome two people uh, with Michaela and Mackenzie so stay tuned we'll be right back If you ever wanted to start a podcast, today is the day. Go to anchor.fm to get started. It's a, They have a free app on the App Store, and it has all the creation tools you need that allows you to record, edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. This app and your cell phone is literally the only thing you need to start a podcast. Use a microphone on your phone, record a voicemail, upload it to Anchor, and that's it. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can be heard on spotify apple Podcasts, and many more uh you can make money on through your podcast with no minimum listenership and like i said everything you need to make a podcast is in one place on the anchor app so go to anchor.fm to get started or download the free anchor app in your app store again anchor.fm to get started or download the free anchor app in your store and we hope that you join the podcast world let's go If you did not know, Living Ardently is now an affiliate with Be A Heart Design. Be A Heart has a bunch of great things for you and your family. So if you want to go get something, use our affiliate link in our show notes. And you can use our promo code ARDENTLY10 for 10% off your purchase. Everything that we make goes straight back into our podcast so you'll be supporting our ministry. Again, so if you want to get something nice for yourself, for your friends, or your family, go to Be A Heart using our affiliate link. Uh, Use our promo code ARDENTLY10 for 10% off. And not only will you be helping the ministry here at Living Ardently, but you'll be getting something cool too. Again, link in the show notes,
2: Ardently 10. Let's get back to it. All right, we're back with Michaela
0: and Mackenzie from Thrifted and Threaded, and you know we've been talking about their ministry and stuff like that, and Thrifted and Threaded and things that they've been doing, and a little bit of their background. So if you don't know, this is actually their first episode, podcast episode they've ever done together. So that's really cool. (laughs) And uh, we're gonna go into some more um, hard hitting questions and things about you know sustainable fashion or sustainable sustainability and ethical purchasing um whether it be clothes or general why we should care so let's just dive right into that why is being like ethical and sustainable and all the things that we do um whether it be clothing buying clothing or buying with food even why should that be important to us
1: yeah there are so many reasons um and this can be uh, this will be hopefully um a nuanced conversation, but there are so many different ways to like go with this topic. Um, So I'll just kind of share what struck me first and and what kind Mm -hmm. of convicted me um, because I never really thought about sustainability or ethics when it came to shopping. Growing up, you know, even shopping at thrift stores um, was more out of like um, financial, either need or just like the desire for a good deal um mm-hmm. i didn't i didn't know there was a difference between shopping at a thrift store and getting a good deal at kohl's you know yeah um yeah. it was just like how can i get a, a, a deal yeah. um but in college i believe it was um i watched the true cost documentary which i'm sure many people have heard of or seen mm-hmm. and if they haven't they should go find it um, but it's a really raw and um, heartbreaking look at the flip side of the fashion industry that we as Americans um, have been largely really ignorant to. Um, and when I saw the garment workers, these, these human beings, just like you and I, um, killed in a factory collapse in Rana Plaza, a thousand of them, and they knew that the building was structurally unsound, and and yet the the profits and the demand um, of consumers across the globe was was more important than their safety um, and their their dignity. At the end of the day, um, I was like deeply convicted that like I've played a role in that mm. um, personally, just through my own shopping habits, my own consumerist mentality. Um, and just, yeah, I knew, like, as a Catholic woman who claims to care about fashion, who wants to make that a part of her life, um, I need to go about that in a Christ-like way. And I don't think Christ would be, you know, throwing people under the bus for a good deal. Uh, it, it's mm-hmm. just flat out, yeah, not at all how he would do things. Mm-hmm. And I think... Um, the the issue of the garment workers themselves is obviously really at the root of this but we're also and this is more of a recent thing so when you were watching this you know documentary back in college this wasn't something to be thinking about or maybe it was it just wasn't really brought to the light at the time but now we're looking at i just read the other day that something like 70% of the world's cotton is sourced out of these forced labor factories in China with the Uyghur Muslim population. And so now we're looking at not only the major, you know, uh, clothing production lines really interwoven into this horrific, um, you know, forced labor situation. Yeah. But we're sustaining that through, you know, brands like, Nike and H&M and all of these, you know, Zara, all of these brands where as young women, we can either choose to shop at these brands that are directly sourcing their cotton from slaves, or we can shop secondhand. And, you know, in that regard, that brings up, you know, a lot of more, you know, more questions, more accusations, more reasons for people to be wary of, you know, secondhand shopping practices. So it's not as easy as saying, well, we shop secondhand. So therefore our hands are clean, right. you know, like,
2: you yeah, know. yeah.
1: there are then secondary questions that come up, which are, you know, like, well, you know, we've been accused of stealing clothes from the poor now or to um, oversell or overprice and all of these things. So there's a lot there that we've thought very diligently about and have really come to um firm conclusions on. And so yeah, do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean at the end of the day, um there's always going to be a risk with um like like no solution to this gigantic problem is going to cover every facet of this gigantic problem. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so we have done what we can with what is available to us to mitigate a specific problem which is um, the dignity being disregarded of garment workers and then also yeah we also care about just the sheer volume of clothing that is tossed into a landfill every year Mm -hmm. Um, and so yeah we've done like a lot of research like what is the solution to this is it to is it to shop from ethical companies that only source their stuff organically and fair trade and all of that? Um, is it to shop secondhand? Is it to upcycle? Like, yeah, there are many options. Um, but at the end of the day, like making something new is always should always be the last ditch effort, you know, mm-hmm. um, bringing a new piece of clothing into the world when there's already more articles of clothing than there are human mm-hmm. beings in this world um i mean by probably a huge factor
2: <laughs> yeah
1: probably multiple factors yeah. you know but the question at the end of the day of are we stealing clothing from poor people because you you know that's a logical conclusion these stores were put into existence to service the a lower income yeah. bracket and so people. that's a question that when, when it was first sort of pitched to us in an accusing way i was like well Jeez, are are I mean, we doing that? I don't know. You know, like we <laughs> thought about it, but it, yeah, we definitely. Especially coming from a situation in, you know, a large family where it was something that we needed to do for us. It was never like, oh, we're these privileged people walking into a store and looking down on everyone in there. It was yeah. like we were just as embarrassed to be wearing clothing from Goodwill in high school like the the stigma there was, was yeah, still there. It hadn't quite dawned on us that this was um, like for us. Yeah. At first we felt that same, like, oh, thrift stores aren't cool. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. Um, mm-hmm. thankfully that has become less and less stigmatized. Um, but yeah. Is it being gentrified, you know, like on the other mm-hmm. hand? And yeah, yeah. I think it, it has been in a lot of ways, but like I mm-hmm. said, we have to weigh, um, all factors when looking at this, because the reality is, and yeah, it's really easy to look at um, secondhand resellers and things like that and be like, well, you know, someone could have gotten that at a lesser lower price Um, because obviously we have to factor in like time and labor and and all these things and shipping and all these costs that that go into pricing. Um, But yeah, we're like, Hmm, yeah, that's a good point. Let's think about it. But Mm-hmm. The reality is if if you've ever been in a thrift store, um, you've seen for the most part that these thrift stores are filled to like one hundred and ten percent capacity. like Great. racks are bulging, clothes are on the floor. like it's Great. just, yeah, it's crazy. And that is actually the statistic is that it's only between like ten to twenty percent of clothing that gets donated is ever put out on the, mm-hmm. on the floor. So that means that there's a good eighty percent of clothing that doesn't make it to the resell yeah to the cons- to the secondhand consumer and what happens then um, is that it's either thrown away if it's like complete garbage which some people do donate garbage um, or it's shipped off and sold to developing countries to be sold in their clothing markets um, I think there's a very I think the largest one is in Ghana Wow. Um, I know that. Yeah, and they get, you know, bushels on bushels of of our secondhand clothing. Um, And I was reading an article about how back before this became such a a prevalent um, thing, this was, like, good for their economy, you know? It was, like, it was exciting to, like, get these clothes from America. And, like, yeah, yeah, the people who sold them were highly esteemed and all of that but now just the in the utter like overflow of our our cast-offs into their country um and it must be a rapid spike in volume considering the the shift that fashion has taken just in the last like 20 years with i mean you go into a zara and you're never going to see the same thing twice you know mm-hmm. they're 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 swapping things in and out at such a volume that even probably in the last 10 years has changed the whole face of the planet in terms of mm-hmm. clothing production. And so yeah. yeah, this new volume of clothing is now- has nowhere to go, you know, and right. so it goes, it goes to these developing countries. It gets dumped into um, their clothing markets and ruins their economy because now they have no market for like artisan artisan clothing and and yeah they can just go get like a, a jersey from you know for a, a however much money very very little yeah. um and then there's nowhere that's kind of the end of the line and then it gets tossed into their heaping um landfills and and pollutes or, or it's burned and pollutes their air and their water supply and it's just a big mess that affects a lot of people and so the thought while while we we hear that you know we hear the the thought that like the clothes you are buying and selling could go to someone more in need um we hear that and Mm -hmm. it makes sense on a certain level but if you look beneath the facade of these thrift stores you see that the model just like doesn't work that way you know um there's an overabundance. Of clothing, and like we could all switch to thrift shopping, and there would probably still be too much clothing in the world, you know. Um, yeah, and um, we're also just not, I think, in the market for the same type of clothing, you know, we're looking for like right. funky vintage leather jackets. And so, like, <laughs> the things that are really important to preserving in these lower income areas are, you know, staple items, winter coats, and you know, sturdy jeans and, and yeah. you know, these essential basic pieces of clothing, which... Yeah, we shouldn't be buying up in bulk and and monopolizing, you know. Mm. That's not our goal. Um, we don't leave thrift stores with a truckload of stuff. We leave with a few things on our arm, you know. Yeah. Um, and they usually look a little bizarre, you know, like not the <laughs> typical like a big, big white girl outfit most of the stuff that yeah. we're like oh my gosh this is so edgy and so cool we mm-hmm. don't know if it's going to ultimately sell because there is we're still kind of pushing the envelope in terms of like what's maybe a little too avant-garde in <laughs> you know some yeah. circles so yeah, yeah there's a balance here i think yeah when we're looking for like the kind of weird vintage pieces we're not ripping that out of anybody's hands by a long shot mm-hmm. um And there might be the next day, like you, you go back to a thrift store the next day and it's been replenished. And so there's really nobody walking away empty handed. And I think that if that were the reality, we would have stopped doing this Mm -hmm. immediately. Um, But it's not. Yeah. And our hope at the end of the day um, in doing what we do is really to reach a market of people that wouldn't shop secondhand otherwise, you know? Um, If we can get someone to choose to buy our funky blazer over going to H&M and buying one when otherwise they wouldn't really take the time to go look for one in a thrift store or just don't feel comfortable doing that or whatever. Um, Yeah, if we can get them to change their mindset and change their shopping habits, then we've just, yeah, like spared that that one piece of clothing from the yeah. person that would have gone out to go buy it at a, at a fast fashion store. And so, um, yeah, there's like, we really do like weigh all of these things, but at the end of the day, there are just, there's so much broken in the fashion industry yeah. that this is our little hope to like fix our little corner of it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: That's so great. So I that think, was a
1: really long answer to why we no,
0: care about this. No, I mean <laughs> it's so important. I think, and you know, with what really got me to to kick start into it was when Jarrell um, took down his shop on Black Friday two mm-hmm. years ago
2: yeah that was, and I was like
0: what is he doing and I was like that's I mm-hmm. mean it was genius I was like I love the marketing idea behind it but like, <laughs> I'm like, why and then this is yeah. understanding you know watching the documentary myself and it's just like
2: mm-hmm.
0: it's so real and it's an issue that I hope why what, what I feel like is happening is a lot of people are understanding it more and more um but you know I hope that becomes a, a staple thing a staple understanding that you know buying from places like walmart and all these like easy cheap like stores that can you know you can find a quick shirt that fits you just right Mm -hmm. or whatever um ultimately
1: we yeah sorry to yeah ultimately we probably probably 50 percent of the people who buy from us won't ever think about the reason that they're Mm -hmm. buying secondhand you know it is becoming more trendy to Wear vintage things, or you know, mm-hmm. kind of edgy, different looks, and so we'll get a lot of those people who just want, you know, that cute thing in their closet. But we really want people to understand that we understand that it's not just about buying things for the sake of buying things. Mm-hmm. Um, it should never look like, you know, and this is why we had to do this, you know, because right. we were walking out of thrift stores with trash bags full of clothing and then having to cycle out things out of our own closets because we just you know thrifting is like there's a thrill to it you know you want to go find that one beautiful thing and in a pile of not beautiful things so Mm -hmm. at a point it became like okay well we need to stop filling our own closets here but like there's no who's going to go rescue all of those beautiful clothes you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah we want people to understand that this doesn't mean that they should then go out into thrift stores and buy to their heart's content forever and ever just because they don't have to think about what's on the price tag that's something that I have definitely fallen victim to is just being like picking something out being like oh I don't really know if this is going to work but it's only a couple dollars like even if it doesn't I can just get rid of it you know but that's not how we want Mm -hmm. this to be so we don't want to just exist in this sort of world of people who are reselling just for the sake of content or for fashion Mm -hmm. but um, because there are a lot of women in our age bracket and our demographic who aren't thinking about the, you know the clothing that they buy from fast fashion places but then the alternative which is a little bit better which would be buying from thrift stores in copious mm-hmm. amounts. Um, we just want it to be even that step better where they're thinking thoughtfully yeah. about what they're buying, even from thrift stores.
2: Yeah.
0: Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. It's it's definitely, you know, a whole different kind of mindset that our, our generation um, might not inherently think of or understand right away. And so I think your role and this is is huge, and I think you know from what I you know the people that I know, I'm surrounded by the people I see, um, kind of have that general understanding of what, um, the ethics behind it is. But I think it's yeah, this is a whole nother step deeper, yeah. which um I think is a good challenge for all of those who, of you who are listening, to not just go um out there and shop you know, like you know, like Mackenzie said to your heart's content, but to like even think about. Uh, further what you're what Mm -hmm. you're actually buying over at those thrift shops because you know we can we can I can feel I mean I've gone thrifting and felt pretty high and mighty about what I've got and I know that I got a few more things than I actually needed right Um, and so
1: it's great like we do create sort of capsule wardrobes and I think that that really lends itself to mixing mm -hmm. and matching knowing sort of having a basic line of clothing that you know is going to be your staple items and just when you look at you know 50 items of clothing and you know that you can create with those 50 items you know everything you need yeah it stops becoming like novelty items and more of like a cohesive wardrobe you know Mm -hmm. I think a lot of vintage stores lean towards like the bizarro kind of fashion pieces where that's a statement piece you can only wear once a year because it's so remarkable yeah. um, we get made fun of by like our sisters because our, our capsules are really like neutral um, <laughs> and so there's not a ton of color there aren't mm-hmm. really like huge standout pieces because we want everything to fit together so that you can wear this thing over and over again yeah. um, and have it fit fashionably into the rest of the things that you're wearing and not just like this bright green feathered thing you're only going to wear once a year
0: yeah yeah that's so great I think yeah it's 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 definitely a matter of like uh, I think it was Lilyian um who Lily who came on and and talked about you know understanding what you have in your wardrobe uh, what you mm-hmm. what you have and what you don't need you know yeah. and if you have like a, a few white t-shirts, like for basic t-shirts you don't need another white Mm t-shirt that's going to have a different design right um and so like that got me mindset so like now i have like only like two white (laughs) t-shirts two black shirts maybe a third because black is just a nice neutral color but yeah um yeah i'm just like it's 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 such a good mindset to just be Mm -hmm. mindful of what you're purchasing so not only are you contributing like not contributing to like the waste but also to know that um i don't know just having that small of a minimalist mindset mm-hmm. of like uh less is more i mean like the things of this world like they're all luxuries and um we really don't need them to survive yeah. <laughs> you know yeah at the end of the day clothes are just clothes
1: <laughs> yeah and the reality is so many of us are have been conditioned to have these like these never-ending this never-ending appetite for more you know and mm. so we need to heal from that and that takes time you know and so we hope to be a step in that healing process for people when it comes to their relationship with fashion particularly fast fashion um because yeah and what what doesn't work with that is just like shaming people you know like really just going cold turkey like people are learning like I don't know how we've all been so blind to this for so long but people are people's eyes are being opened and it's a process and so we we hope Mm -hmm. to be a step along that journey for people like who are still looking to spice things up in their wardrobe um, to give them an alternative and to hope hopefully like just slow down this Mm -hmm. big old whirlwind that we call the fashion industry um Mm -hmm. a little bit and hopefully it it leads to you know just shopping less often or not shopping at all you know like if people don't need anything like don't shop our collection you know like (laughs) bad marketing but like good for the world and yeah yeah we just hope to be um a a step along that path to healing our just our consumerist attitudes
0: it's just such a powerful thing to even hear and say like, you know, we are uh, a culture that definitely always wants more. Uh, I mean, I'm guilty of it and and we do definitely need to heal from that. Um, And if you are, I mean, let this be a challenge to you um, for this, this week, this month, the the rest of the year, even, um, and, and see where, where, this can take you and maybe like rethink some of your purchasing and Mm
2: -hmm. how
0: you, how you think um, when it comes to clothes and even food or, you know, I mean, like obviously you still need food, but like you even go into that realm, which is a lot deeper of a hole. Um,
1: Don't even get me started on Amazon. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) it's so true it's so bad um <laughs> the tech the, the reels and tiktoks i like, think you didn't know you needed on amazon so i nothing,
2: know
1: my- nothing, nothing. I don't need anything. <laughs> we all know you were paid to make this right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you might have not been in the beginning but now you are you know amazon's paying you um, anyway so the last question I, I have and i really wanted to get into this one is um can we see this as a truly authentically pro-life manner matter?
1: Well, I mean, pro-life in terms of sort of the whole life ethic, I think that there's, that's a big conversation right now. The difference between like pro-life pertaining particularly to the conversation around abortion versus sort of pro-life for the whole life, which is more of a consistent life ethic rhetoric. Um, As someone who works in, the pro-life movement um i don't really think that those two things are attached in, when it concerns the unborn mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. but obviously from just a human perspective rehumanizing sort of this mm-hmm. um spectrum of of people with yeah. dignity we all are inherently you know given the dignity of personhood from the moment of conception and so right yeah, we have to see the people on the other side of the world sewing our $2 t-shirt as humans and not a vehicle for a $2 t-shirt, you know? So it is definitely, and I think this is interesting because we have been challenged as Christian women, like how, how can you be two people who call yourself Catholic and have a business like this? That's just, you know, robbing people and overcharging people and, um, those things aren't true, first Mm -hmm. of all, Um, but second of all, I think that it is absolutely attached to our Catholic faith to be thinking deeper about the fashion industry, and yeah, absolutely, if if these changes had been made 15 years ago, and people were starting to think about sustainability, then maybe that factory wouldn't have, you know, collapsed on those thousand people who were inside of it, you know, so we have to think about what potential damage we could be avoiding in the future by making these changes now and um yeah yeah that's absolutely part of sort of the pro-life ethic um yeah and yeah outside of the the abortion argument absolutely yeah
0: yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. and i i think the the sorry were you gonna say something Kayla? no
1: i was just gonna say i think as as catholics it's just important to be um consistent you know to have mm. An understanding of the inherent dignity and value of every human person um, and to allow that to touch even the smallest of our actions you know even as small as going to the mall or yeah shopping on amazon or whatever it is you know um, that that
2: should
1: that should touch every area of our hearts and our lives Absolutely. When you're, when you're exposed to it, you know, we just want to sort of open people's eyes. It's not right. like you yeah. have to know like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what take I a deep it? breath, everyone.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. I was just about to say, it's, it is it is overwhelming to kind of think of yeah. all the different ways that we can be better at things. But mm-hmm. really just what my advice to, like, when I want to teach my teens about ethic uh, ethical, like, you know, just things in general, ethical shopping, um, I tell them, you know, just take one step at a time. Like, you You have the Mm -hmm. ability to change what you do and not everybody else's. Um, And so just take your steps um, slowly, Mm -hmm. surely and just make sure that you change your mindset before you try to go out and like tell everybody and like get flustered and then not do the, do it right. Right. You know, do any just because then you're doing, maybe doing more harm, then you are doing um, service to the cause, you know, I mean, even when it comes to like proclaiming your faith, if you're not com- completely convicted in your love for Christ, um, how can you really like evangelize correctly? Hmm. You're really just going to sell people short on what the truth is. Yeah. If you're not fully convicted or understand the truth um, of of the Lord and you don't have to be perfect, right? I'm not asking you guys to be perfect and understand it before you even evangelize or
2: mm-hmm.
0: anything like that. But uh, you have to like believe that Christ is true, and you might not know every single fact, every single answer to every single uh, faith uh, question about faith. But you have to at least have that uh, the the deep underlying truth that Christ exists um, before you can actually do work uh, well for the kingdom and do evangelize well for the kingdom. And so, I think it's the same for for here. Just take one step at a time. Um, and make the changes in your lives um that you can that can affect the overall world um
1: right right and it's important to like to encourage people to do what they can you know like if like sometimes situations do put people in a place where they have to shop at walmart you know like yeah that there's no shame there this isn't like you don't have to go to confession for that right (laughs) right this is just about like doing what you can as the lord reveals and and calls you to like change your life Mm. Yeah. i think one baby step this is something that i've discovered um pretty recently maybe something that you can do totally outside of spending any money regardless of class regardless of you know privilege all of these things is yeah Swapping clothing um, with people in your immediate circle of friends me and my friends did this before COVID we did this all the time we would yeah. you know put together a big brunch full of young ladies and we would all bring all of our excess clothing because a lot of times you you have this moment of realization like I'm living in excess I need to get rid of everything and yeah. then you're just throwing everything in the garbage or you're donating everything and you're contributing <laughs> to this like purge That's of really cool. crap in the world yeah and you can totally liberate yourself from that, you know- Cycle. Cycle (laughs) by sort of, um, you know, picking amongst the people in your immediate circle. So just, yeah, that's one place that I would say, if you're feeling overwhelmed after hearing this conversation is call up two of your closest friends and say, go through your closet this weekend, we're gonna do a clothing swap and we're all gonna walk away with something new and have, you know, having not spent a dime, so just some
0: practical advice to leave everyone with that's a great i mean okay so that is a great idea totally wish i had guys who are my same size to do that with it's Um, your uh
1: your doppelganger
0: i know but he's in kansas and i'm in florida so mm, it's a little that can be rough yeah yeah he was just here um for a weekend uh, for a mini bachelor weekend so it was really fun um but yeah he um he left, a, he left a T-shirt behind. So I was like, oh, I'm going to use this now.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so definitely, what do you have any other, uh, like maybe just another tip, uh, Michaela, that you can give to the listeners that uh, might be helpful for them to make that little baby step?
1: Yeah, yeah, we have, I mean, there are so many things you can do. Um, the first and foremost thing you can always do is just like take a step back and look at what you've got If anything needs to Mm -hmm. be like, if you can like upcycle it, change it or just restyle it, you know, sometimes we just get in these ruts where it's like I've worn that dress with these shoes all the time, you know, how else can you wear it, you know, so that's the first thing is to like either upcycle or mend what you've already got. So you don't need to buy anything new. Mm -hmm. Um, The second thing is when getting rid of clothing to be mindful of like, how you're getting rid of them. Um, We do recommend swapping or, or selling. We're um, donating directly rather than just being like, "I'm gonna drop it off at that bin in that parking lot." You know, like <laughs> yeah, those are the things that you never know if it's ever gonna make it into the store. Um, is and it, that's not like saying that you shouldn't donate your clothing. Like that's yeah, that's just the next rung down the ladder. Yeah. Um, but yeah, donating sli- directly yeah. to people in need is always really good. There's also mm-hmm. a sliding scale of thrift stores um Mm -hmm. and their direct impacts on local communities so if you have like a local like you know saint mary's thrift store Mm -hmm. and it's attached to a hospital they're running that thrift store to generate profits that go directly towards donating to that hospital so Mm -hmm. like then there's the corporate giants like goodwill which are contributing in massive amounts to global pollution you know they're the ones who are dumping 70 percent of their products in foreign countries and so yeah if you can get to one of those little old lady shops where there's like (laughs) volunteers there for the weekend and they're donating all of their profits to a local charity those are like yeah then that's yeah your donations should go there but we're talking like these issues we're talking about earlier about um People not being able to access thrift stores anymore because they've been gentrified or the prices have been raised, like that's yeah. not at the fault of your average thrifter. That's the fault of these gigantic corporations that are are realizing they can now make a larger profit off of the trendiness of thrifting. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, shop small. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, the, well, check your local parishes. Sometimes they have yes. thrift shops their own. Mm-hmm. Our parish uh, that I, I, I work at has uh, a thrift shop that you could uh, you know we donated our stuff to and they always made it to the floor and awesome. they're always sold like I would go um, I usually would go like once like once every other week and I would drop a bag off if I had any extra clothes and then I would see it on the rack like the next week and then
1: buy it again um, just for fun <laughs> buy it again just for fun
0: yeah. <laughs> 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 pay my own salary <laughs> <laughs> but then i would see it gone the next time i was there um and so it's really cool i mean yeah it's like um when you work especially those parishes because those the thrift shops that have the parishes that have thrift shops usually are uh, like a lot of that funds a lot of their ministries mm-hmm. so if you want to work in and keeping your money in a place that is um at your church uh, that's mm-hmm. a, a good place to start too yeah
1: that's how it's supposed to work and and just like everything else, the bigger things get, the more broken they become. So, yeah, going back to the basics is always a good idea.
0: Amen. Awesome. Well, the conversation could go on forever. I know. Um, there's so much to say. And, you know, maybe we'll have you all back again another time. Uh, but thank you both for coming and sharing uh, the, the story of Thrifted and Threaded, your personal lives, and just like, a powerful message of like you know being um, ethical and sustainable with everything that we do especially when it comes to clothing and fashion i appreciate your time and uh well that you've shared so thank you
1: thank you thank for having you us so much you so
0: yeah and and you know we're praying for you know the success and continued growth of thrifted and threaded because i think it's an amazing thing like i said it's already a household name in my in my (laughs) mind and i'm sure it's a household name for a lot of others so (laughs) keep doing what y'all are doing because it's it's going to change hopefully a lot of minds um about when it comes to you know just thinking about where their money goes and what they do with it
1: thanks adrian that means a lot we're praying for you too
0: thanks um so anything else um if you want to follow them, make sure you go to uh, uh, like I said earlier, uh, thrifted underscore and underscore threaded, and you can follow Michaela at Michaela Rachel, um, and K- Mackenzie at uh, at underscore Kenzieing. Is that is that right?
1: Kenzing. My last name is ing now, so it becomes sort of a verb. <laughs> <situations>.
0: uh, yeah. <laughs> all of it's in the show notes below um make sure to show their love and support um, thank you all for listening if you want to uh show your support with the podcast it really helpful if you guys leave a review and a rating on the podcast app on apple um otherwise just go ahead and subscribe and follow just so you get a notification every time we put on a podcast you can also follow us on youtube subscribe and like there um, all the pod- podcasts are recorded uh, like with a video component to it that you get to see a few days after the audio portion is up on Monday. So uh, I think that's it. Make sure, if you want to give us a call and pray with us or chat with us or be a guest, you can contact us at 407-853-2010. And then G- Gmail is livingardentlypod at gmail.com. And I think that's it. You can check out our blog at com. And now that's it. <laughs> you guys, you guys uh, if you want to go check out Thrift and Threaded shop, what is the URL for that?
1: Um, it's www.driftandthreaded.com.
0: Awesome. And and Squarespace is not falling apart, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> no, it looks great. We got no, it. We got it up and running for now. That's awesome.
0: <laughs> All right. Anything else you guys want to say before we go?
1: Just thanks for having us. This was great
0: thank you and again this is the first time they were both on the podcast together so it's a big deal big deal thanks y'all for coming on god bless you all for listening and until next week keep living ardently peace awesome
1: (laughs) (laughs) that was great
0: that was so good